This week's episode is brought to you in partnership with Zero Procure. The guys at Zero Procure have walked a mile in the shoes of many of our listeners from the world of hospitality. In fact, they have over 70 years of collective experience of working in the hospitality industry, and that'll probably be me getting into trouble for making them feel old. I really recommend speaking to them to ensure you're working with the right suppliers at the right price. There's zero cost involved. Just click on their link in the show notes or visit their site at zeroprocure.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Jonathan Reed, CEO of purpose-driven and all-round coffee rock stars, Paddy and Scott's. Coming up on today's show, Jonathan gives us some world-class advice. I will say it's, uh, life is too short to work with ourselves. Phil runs a quick overview of the show. Basically, this show is a walking pun slash cliche. And Jonathan demonstrates that not everyone is ready to change in this incredible story. Yeah, some of it was, was we were welcomed. <laughs> some of it was, okay, who the hell are you and why are you here? And look at the size of the machete that I've got <laughs> on my person. All that and so much more as Jonathan chats us through his story and journey to date. There's so much to love in this conversation, not least that Jonathan's career does not conform to the norm and he's a shining example of what can happen when you follow what makes you tick. He's now at the helm of, as he puts it, the coolest company on the planet. But beyond that, there are wonderful stories and lessons throughout, all told with humour and humility. Don't forget to give us a like and a subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. Enjoy. And a big hospitality meets welcome to Jonathan Reed. Hello, Jonathan. How are you? Very good. Thank you, Phil. How are you? Yes, very good indeed. Where do you find yourself today? Are you at home? I am at home. Yeah, I was in uh, in the, uh, the Paddy and Scott's Ambition House office earlier this morning, and then uh, it was far too busy and far too loud. So I decided to come home and seek the solace of my kitchen. <laughs> very good. Ambition House. Mm. That's a cracking name for an office. Yeah, well, um, you know, we, we have a tagline at Paddy and Scott's. Uh, everything we try and do is about fueling ambition. So um, we need to be as authentic as we can in, in that. And, uh, you know, we, our purpose really is to is to give the coffee farmers and our team and stakeholders and partners and customers a platform to be more ambitious. So um, Ambition House is as good a name as any, to be honest. And, and funnily enough, that uh, that name for our HQ came from the team. So we asked the guys and girls what they uh, thought we should call our new home about three or four years ago. And Ambition House was, was the winner. So it was good. Fantastic. Yeah, well, I mean, let, let just go straight into uh, tell the world what it is that you do. Yes. So Paddy, um, so John, I'm the CEO of Paddy and Scott's Coffee. If you ask me, and I am slightly biased, I think we're the coolest company in the in the world. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah. Well, if the CEO can't think that, then... Uh... I'm sticking, <laughs> exactly. I'm sticking <laughs> to it. So um, Paddy and Scott's has been around for sort of 15, 16 years, and um, we operate our own coffee shops. We have a beautiful little coffee farm in Kenya, uh, and we uh, trade coffee to our partners from hospitality, leisure and retail sectors. Uh, and typically what we try and do is, um, is I, I guess, try and convince people that the, a humble cup of coffee should be about much more than just a hot black drink. So, um, yeah, yeah, we are really, really focused on trying to rewrite the rule book in terms of coffee supply chain around the world. So we um, we are proudly trying to rip up the traditional the way the coffee is, is traded around the world and try and do it a bit differently with direct trade. And, and, you know, years ago, we used to give hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to accreditation bodies to stamp our coffee and say it was produced ethically. Uh, and then we had 
a bit of an epiphany one day where we said, actually, do you know what? Let's um, let's try something new. So we are all about sort of direct trading coffee now, making sure that the money we used to give to the large accreditation bodies is now given to the local communities that help us farm coffee uh, and give us, you know, such a great business. So that's kind of what we're all about. Yeah, wonderful. And that, that kind of when the notes that you very kindly filled out for me before we we jumped on the on the chat. There was a line in there which I loved, which was about coffee tastes better when when it's doing some good. Mm. I like yeah, that. I th- well, I like that a exactly. Lot. Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll, <laughs> I don't want to come across like I'm full of puns, but you know, <laughs> I kind of say to people, our coffee tastes. You're very better. welcome on the show if you are, by the way. Basically, show is a walking pun slash okay. cliche. It's well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm in the right place. Yeah. Uh, no, but I, I kind of I kind of say to people. I'd like to think our coffee tastes better because it changes lives. And uh, that's quite a, a, big, a big, broad statement. But, um, you know, I think from my point of view, it's important in Paddy and Scott's terms that we that we um, we really care about what we do and we, um, we stand for something. And that something happens to be, as I say, reenacting how the coffee is traded around the world and making sure the guys at the start of the journey of a, of a, of a humble coffee bean are able to enjoy a better quality of life because of, of the graft that they put in growing, farming, harvesting their coffee. So yeah. that's kind of what we're all about. Yeah, wicked. Well, well, I'm sure we'll get into that in a bit more depth later as we get into the fullness of the conversation. But what I want to do first is is kind of go all the way back to the beginning. And I asked actually asked you a question before we turn the microphone on and it was going in such an interesting direction that we I kind of shut that question down because it definitely it's the sort of thing that I think people want to hear is that, you know, from the outside looking in, your journey doesn't look like it should end up where you've ended up. Like you, you started out on, I guess, a fairly classic path and have ended up doing what you're doing. But so take us all the way back to the beginning. How did you hmm. first get into hospitality and uh, and and related industries mm. well i uh, i think my first touch point with hospitality was probably going on uh, on holidays with my parents and my family when i was a when i was a kid um you know let's say we'd go for a fairly modest weekend in bournemouth when i was you know probably eight or nine years old myself my brother and my mum and dad would uh, would stay in a in a hotel bedroom uh, and you know a weekend like that would probably be the highlight of our year in terms of travel so I used to just love being around an inner hotel I used to love seeing the team uh, on show and I just thought that these guys that are here for work seem like having so much fun in um, you know in this particular hotel in Bournemouth let's say and, and do you know what if, if people can get paid to have a good time and people can get paid to you know help others create really strong memories then that's, that's pretty good pretty good gig to me so yeah ever since that kind of age of seven eight i've always wanted to work in hospitality and always have really a few diversions along the way but it's always been connected to hospitality and you know being around people great service all that sort of stuff is is kind of what floats my boat so what happened as i kind of got a little bit older and and, uh, and went through you know the career path I, I studied hotel management at college got my degree and had every intention of being a hotel manager and that was the dream. And I worked for Whitbread and Marriott for a while and loved every second of it. You know, it was really hard graft. I was exposed, you know, when I was 21, I was running a business, effectively given the keys to a business worth, you know, that was turning over a million pounds a year. Absolutely yeah. not ready to do that and failed, you know, every day, but also <laughs> learned every day. Yeah, yeah. And kind of, you know, got a little bit better every day. So uh, that, that was cool too. 
and then um, after a few years of, of, of working really hard and giving it my all, you know, and, uh, and, and loving life, I came across something called the Acorn Scholarship. And as a kind of slightly rural Norfolk boy from the east of England, having never really, you know, been too far beyond Norfolk, uh, I came across the Acorn Scholarship and thought, oh, let's, 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 you know, let's have a punt. Let's um, chuck my application in and see where it goes. It was in, you know, the catering hotel keeper magazine and um, chucked my application in and was very surprised and very shocked to be invited to uh, to present my sort of vision for hospitality and my vision for my own career and had to go to London for one afternoon got completely lost I don't think I'd ever been to London before or certainly never traveled there on my own and um, stood up in front of you know some serious players some really really serious players yeah. uh, in the industry and um, had to you know talk to them for 20 minutes about me and you know what I thought my um my future in the in the industry looked like so at the time i was completely wedded to i want to be the greatest hotel manager ever and my longer term ambition was to be uh, funnily enough uh leading uh the coolest hospitality company in the uk and am i doing that now i was certainly i'm you know i'm certainly closer now than i was then (laughs) so uh, right yeah yeah yeah. so in part i suppose we were saying earlier wasn't it you know uh, was this was this the plan? Maybe you know I I planned to be a sort of hotel general manager by the, by the age of thirty. I I'd said I wanted to be a CEO of a you know of a cool hospitality company by the age of forty. Um, both of those things you know were important. I didn't do the hotel management bit in the end because it just you know it didn't. <laughs> I, I wasn't very good at it, and uh, <laughs> be a little bit too. I don't know too. <sighs> Yeah, I wasn't very good with rules, I'll be honest. And 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 you know, corporate hotel life is is uh is a fairly well trodden path and I think you've got to be pretty compliant and I'm not, so <laughs> right. Right. Well that was maybe just not the uh the, the right hotel company for you at the time. I'm sure you probably could have enjoyed that a bit more freedom somewhere else, but nevertheless the hotel's loss is the, the gain of wherever it was that you went next. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that was that was a master plan. And then, um, you know, from from uh, hotels, I then went to work in a sort of technology business that was, you know, principally associated with hotels. So we we worked with hotels, and, and the the company was all about trying to help people become or companies become great places to work, and you know, sort out their culture and that sort of stuff, which was um, you know a fascinating twelve years of my life. And we worked with some amazing companies, the Dorchester Collection, the Ritz, um, Amazon Hotel Devan, so on and so forth. So it gave me a really, really great opportunity to get to know what made these big hospitality players really special uh, and, and what it was that enthused their people to go out and deliver this amazing service that is what encapsulated me when I was seven, eight years old going to hotels for weekends. So, yeah. And, and then after that, I was in London, commuting in and out of London for many more years than I care to uh, remember on a train uh, because I live in, uh, in, in rural Norfolk. The, the round trip was about six hours a day in, in and out of London. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought, oh, do you know, after so many years, it was one of those where I'd, I'd got in a fairly unhealthy situation. I was carrying too much timber and I thought, oh, you know, <laughs> really difficult to do much about this if you're spending six hours on a train every day. So I uh, decided to, to kind of come back east and then came across Paddy and Scott's, which I thought at the time was a really beautiful business, bit of a hobby business for its founders, Paddy and Scott's. Hadn't really made its mark, but had seeds that were just beautiful and really, really socially focused. 
and um, you know at the time having discussions with uh, with Kenyan coffee farmers about how we could revolutionize uh, the coffee industry and I just thought let's go for it let's take a punt so I joined Paddy and Scott's nearly five years ago now and uh, and since then we've had an awful lot of fun and still continue to have lots of fun so as I say it, it's still very much rooted in hospitality we run our own coffee shops we uh, you know we, we trade coffee to lots of the uh, the best hotel and restaurant organizations around the country and um, yeah it's a cool place to be yeah yeah yeah. Well, I'm going to back it up a little bit from uh, we'll come back to obviously know what you're doing it's obviously fairly important but um <laughs> I want to, uh, I suppose, just explore the, you went from kind of, I suppose, operational focus into a more people-focused role. Mm. Was that something that, was that one of these things that just, it was an opportunity that was presented and you thought, hmm, that's, that actually sounds like a cool thing to do? Or was it, uh, that's, that's what I want to go and do next uh, kind of thing, and I want to go and find a company that fits that? It was just about... Uh learning really you know I've always been a complete learning junkie and you know when I was on the uh, the sort of treadmill of, 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 of hotel management there wasn't too many opportunities I didn't think to um, to kind of expand my knowledge and I didn't find it particularly entrepreneurial it was you know I was effectively working for a, you know for a, a corporate hotel organization uh, and the decisions were, were kind of made a you know above my pay grade uh, and I wanted you know I wanted to kind of get my hands dirty and run a business and you know do all the work around what it looks like what it feels like and you know how we can build the brand and and everything so I wanted to create something um that was a little bit more uh, that I had more influence on really rather than working for a brand you know a big brand I wanted to maybe try and build my own so that was the reason for the move and then you know I guess you know that that's what attracted me to Paddy and Scott's also was that I saw this this uh this really entrepreneurial dynamic company that someone else had created that I thought just, you know, could do with a little bit of fuel and, um, yeah, touch wood. <laughs> you are the fuel. Fuel by well, coffee, not, of course. I'm, I'm not the fuel. I can, <laughs> yeah, please, I'm definitely not the fuel. But uh, coffee, the coffee, the caffeine absolutely is the fuel. And actually, you know, I think how we trade is, is really special. And um, I would argue that's probably the fuel, you know, in terms of how, how we do things. That's what, what I'm particularly proud of uh, in Paddy and Scott's. Yeah. Do you think the the because uh, it's Purple Cube we're talking about, isn't it? The, yeah, the company. Yeah. yeah, and they're friends of the show. I've had Jane Sunley on the show, and yeah, good. Uh, and I know uh, Joe. She's another wonderful human yeah, being. Yeah, brilliant people. I think anyone that's in that organisation is just a wonderful human being. I was yeah. lucky enough to do the walk for well-being and ended up just so happened that we were walking together with a, a couple of the members of the team as well and. Yeah, everyone there is just really, really cool. And I, and I think the, the, the thing, this is for me one of the most important parts of business is the human element uh, of it. Mm. Um, and it certainly sounds like you guys stand for that now. But do you think your time at Purple Cubed kind of brought that out of you a little bit? Uh, or is it something that you've always had within you, do you think? It's turned into uh, a job interview, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, it hasn't. No, because I mean, if it was, I probably wouldn't get the job. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, yeah, no. So absolutely, I learned bundles with uh, with Jane, uh, Purple Cube, and Joe. It, you know, you couldn't hope for a a more kind of I don't know dynamic culture where you know people are such an important intrinsic part of a business. So I learned absolutely loads, and yeah, you, know, you can imagine in that world, effectively, the business is selling this thing about how to be a great place to work and mm. you know how important it is to to focus on strong positive cultures you know in the workplace so you've got to you've got to 
practice what you preach. So for sure, yeah, I had the best fun, the best fun. I learned so much in uh, in you know in the sort of 12, 13 years I was there. It was unbelievable, and met you know so many great people. It's, it's funny. I remember fondly, you know, back in those days, people would almost would say to us, "Ah, oh, I, I thought you worked for Purple Cubes because you can almost like spot a Purple Cube person a mile really? because right. of, of you know the the energy they had." So you know unbelievable unbelievable and yeah. uh yeah it certainly gave me a real a real interest in in the people thing i mean i'm i'm absolutely not a hr practitioner nor would i ever be one i, I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't know where to start but i love the idea that um you know organizations certainly in hospitality are built upon their people and i don't, I don't it's not difficult to look after look after your people i don't think but so many organizations get it wrong yeah uh, they overcomplicate it overthink it wrap people up in process and you know ultimately it's really really simple isn't it you create a culture that you're really proud of you give people a framework to to be their best selves in and just make sure you're adding great people when you need to and it works <laughs> you know yeah. obviously it's difficult at scale when you've got several thousand employees but um the bones of that are pretty are pretty simple i think and uh, certainly you know in, in paddy and scott's we absolutely try and make sure everyone that works for us is you know a really proud of what we're doing and b feels like they can influence where the business is moving and if that's someone that's making coffee for four hours a week they've got as big a voice as um, you know as me frankly um, yeah hopefully they feel as connected to, to what we're doing our purpose as everyone else so you know yeah and largely that that sort of focus on culture and, and how we do things definitely comes from purple cubed yeah well and this is what i love about all of the the different stories that i've kind of had on this show is is the fact that you know there's definitely this sort of kind of all roads lead here to the vast majority of everyone's stories is the fact that you you know you needed to learn what you learned at, at, in the hotel world to kind of get your love for whatever it was that you were getting the love for at the time that led you to the opportunity mm. with purple cube purple cube gave you what you needed to do to come and do this role and probably you know when you started in this role it's probably a little bit of a stretch but you know if you're passionate about something that's like not it doesn't really feel like it's like it feels it's the right thing to do isn't it it's like pursue that stretch rather than you'll be scared by it definitely yeah and i'm i'm 41 i've really only had well i've only worked for three companies in my life really yeah. um you know on a full time basis so i i don't know i've i've never kind of not loved my job which i don't know if that says something about me or something about my choices or the people that I've been lucky enough to work with, but yep. genuinely, you know, we all, we all know people don't we? that come up every night and they moan about what they're doing. I don't get it. <laughs> Just, like, seriously, if you don't love something and you, you know, you're not passionate about it, don't spend 40 plus hours a week doing it. Gosh, yeah. come on. <laughs> yeah. Life's too short for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, indeed. Um, what I also love about your journey is, is the fact that you identified quite early on that you're not, you're not one for rules that generally means that you're going to end up leading a business at some point, whether that's your own or whether you're, you know, within an entrepreneur, it's generally reserved for the entrepreneurial people, isn't it? It's like you've, you, you're the one that makes the rules basically as it were, and that you're creating, as you said, the framework in order to get people to excel. And sometimes you work for organizations that don't allow you that freedom to, to do so. You've got to fit within their framework. Mm. I think that the identification of, understanding what makes you tick is such a massive part of understanding how you're going to move forward definitely yeah no i mean i think i think the greatest gift or strength anyone can have is is being really self-aware so you know i'm i'm not perfect or the finished article by any stretch but 
uh, I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. And frankly, I spend all of my week doing the stuff that I'm pretty good at because yep. life's too short, I think, to, uh, you know, to, to kind of focus so much on doing a bad job at something I'm not particularly interested in. So, yeah. you know, I, I think most people respond well to doing stuff that they really connect with and are passionate about. As I say, I've, I've always worked in roles that, that I've been really passionate about uh, and I've enjoyed. And I think the thing at Paddy and Scott's that is phenomenally phenomenal is, is the thing about purpose. So I learned something when, you know, when I was um, in the final year before Purple Cubed, I, I think I mentioned I'd, I got in a fairly kind of uh, unhealthy place. So I weighed about 26, 25 stone and was commuting all the time, wow. right, not yeah. really investing too much in my health. And, I sort of woke up, what happened was I was, I was uh, on the rugby pitch one Sunday morning with my lad. Um, he was four or five at the time. One of the coaches hadn't turned up. So they looked at me and said, would you mind putting a, a tag belt around your waist? And these like 20 or so five-year-olds are going to chase you around the pitch for a few minutes and try and grab these Velcro tabs tags off your belt. And, um, you know, <laughs> obviously as quickly as they can do it, game over once they've got all the tags off your belt. So I kind of looked back and thought, yeah, you know, how hard can this be? Um, I'm, you know, mid thirties thought I was relatively fit. And these, these are five-year-old kids, boys and girls, uh, they surely can't outrun me. They surely can't uh, you know, cause me too much hassle. Yeah. And then after about a minute, I was uh, on my back, uh, blowing a gale, absolutely dying <laughs> with, um, with very little energy. And then I looked in the corner of my and I could see my, uh, my five-year-old son laughing at me with his mates and his teammates. And I just, I just thought, oh, okay, that's interesting. And what I tried to do was kind of pocket that emotion, pocket that feeling and go, not going to be there again. Yeah. So then, you know, that was like a Sunday. So Monday, you know, woke up. Okay. What are you doing about it? This is the plan. Started telling people the next 12 months, you know, I'm going to sort my, my health out. Uh, I'm going to, you know, do whatever it, it needed to be done, be it relationship with food, rewired, be it relationship with exercise, all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, in that 12 months proceeding, I lost 11 stone which is probably in hindsight, a little bit unhealthy, you know, to, you know, to the contrary, but yeah, um, nearly a stone a day. I mean, that's uh, a week, a month. Come on, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> I need coffee. Yeah. I need, I need coffee. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, but it just, what it taught me was, you know, in that 12 months, every time it got tough, every time there was something, you know, temptation, there was triggers, whatever it was, that little image of my lad in my head laughing at me as I laid on the floor, having been chased by his teammates, just would not leave my conscious. And it was like every time I had a test, I went back to the reason why I wanted to achieve this change in my life. The purpose behind it hit me and my boy's face in that image and it was unshakable. So what great motivation. Yeah, that and, and, and that's the thing, isn't it? That that that's what really taught me the importance of purpose. So then I was like, okay, I wanna go I feel like I can frankly do anything, you know. What what do I wanna do that can have some some serious legacy, some serious impact? You know, and I'm quite a sort of family focused person, so you know, I wanted to be a really good role model to my kids, as as most parents do. And I thought, what can I do that would that would give me that platform? you know i can go home at night and i can talk to my kids about what i've done during the day Uh, and it's not about driving a nice car it's not about you know taking them on trips or whatever it's about you know the work that i'm doing is making a difference so when i go home at the end of the day or night whatever it is if i've just had a you know a call with the local rugal school in kenya that neighbors our farm and we've just donated you know school meals or we've we've just um you know upgraded the science laboratory then then that's something I'm really proud of. And that's something I want my kids to hear about mm. because I want them to grow up, you know, thinking about what impact can they have on the planet 
and what are they going to leave behind and uh, you know what choices do they make that can influence other people positively that need help yeah well i mean ultimately you know we, we people could talk about the fact that you know that we have an awful lot of problems in the world to solve but we can solve them by inspiring the generations to come to get on it now like you know why why wait i mean there's uh, in the world that we live in it's there's so many instances of in fact i was just watching the harry and megan documentary last night on netflix and uh, the early megan writing a letter to an advertising company because they'd basically shown that uh, a dishwashing product was only for women basically right. and she wanted okay. them to get them to change that to people yeah. you know not a mass and they actually did do it from a handwritten letter from a 13 year old kid Wow. You know, so um, it's one of those things whereby, you know, why wait if you feel passionate about something, get on it. And I suppose you're leading from the front in your family with that in the sense that, look, I am getting out of bed every day and I'm doing something that I totally believe in and that mm. I think is making a difference. And, you know, and here is why. That's a massively inspiring uh, story for your kids, for sure. And the I fact have... that you lost weight and you could probably play that game for a lot longer now. Yeah, well, it was, certainly wouldn't catch me now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Duracell bunny now, unfortunately, kids, you can keep running. Um, but uh, but no, and again, you know, it comes back to, I think anyone is capable of anything they want to put their mind to. The reason people fail in stuff, I think, is because they haven't been really clear on what the reason or the purpose or, as Simon Sinek calls, the why behind it. You yeah. know, let's say someone wakes up tomorrow and they want to make a change in their life if you can't answer why and you can't have a sort of emotional connection as to what that change would give you uh, and you know you don't visualize the, the sort of end point you're probably gonna you're gonna fall at one of the hurdles that come your way yeah um, so it's good good life lessons and, and again you know we, we try and we try and run paddy and scott's in a way that you know does emotionally connect with people and gives people the ability to come to work and be really proud of what we're doing and go home and share the great stuff we're doing with their family members and be really proud in, you know, in, in their friendship groups and touch wood, it, it kind of works, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, you know, again, the size of business we are, you know, we don't really have to um, conform to this, you know, this, this, this drive for profit, you know, like most companies do, you know, we can, we can do the right thing by our stakeholders and it's not got to be solely driven by profitability or turnover. You know, we can make decisions that are driven by, you know, impact, social impact, or, yeah. you know, just by doing the right thing because instinctively in our hearts, it feels like the right thing to do. Yeah. And that, that, that has massive power in itself. And ultimately I, I believe, and I still maintain this, that if you focus on exactly what you said, your kind of reason for doing, but then also making sure that at every point in that process, you're doing the right thing, which is sometimes is a difficult thing to do. You know, you're going to end up winning in the end because you know, you've looked after your people along the way. They stay with you. It gives you greater stability. You can do better things. There's better knowledge that you're not constantly firefighting issues as much as perhaps if you've got, you know, if you're turning over 50% of your team every mm. every year and equally you know this is a saying i've used if you want another cliche i've used this across <laughs> the show many many times but actually the things that are worth doing are generally difficult and you know that's good you know because the growth that comes with that is amazing and then ev everything else gets elevated as well so um yeah it's it is cliched but i i categorically believe in it 
Yeah, and look, we you know we we don't always get it right. We don't, um, you know, we we from time to time we lose people. However, we are fastidious in um, you know in in kind of recruiting the right sort of people that we think are going to support our culture, yeah. and um, you know, touch wood, because a lot of people out there are struggling to find people. We 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 don't. Um, you know, every time we look to recruit somebody uh, that maybe can help us, you know, get to the next level of our growth or whatever. Um, we are absolutely blown away with the number of applicants, the amount of interest. And I guess that must have something to do because of, you know, how, how we how we trade and, and, and how we project ourselves and, and how we try and create an environment in which people can, you know, have something to be really proud of. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So just talk us through what, what Paddy and Scott's have in play at the moment in terms of what does your business look like? Obviously, you're fairly coffee-centric. Um, mm. But what does that actually look like in reality? Yeah, so um, we have a handful of our own stores. They're all sort of based in, in, in East Anglia and Suffolk. We we have plans to do many more around the country, but those plans are, are very much kind of market dependent at the moment. So we know how tough it is out there yeah. um, on the high street. So we are, you know, we're looking to build that over the next couple of years. As I mentioned earlier, we, we, we supply coffee to, you know, I won't say the best, but we we do supply coffee to you know the best operators um, around the country. Um, anyone that's kind of um, you know is ambitious with their coffee and wants to make a difference, then then they can work for us, work with us. Excuse me. Uh, we've got a few different kind of programs from a wholesale point of view that we uh, we promote. You know, people can can kind of buy coffee from us that comes from our own farm in Kenya, which has a direct impact on you know, the Ruger school that, that, that resides next door to the farm. Yeah, We have a, a coffee program called Lunchbox Coffee, where every bag of coffee that we sell uh, provides a free school meal for children in coffee growing regions. So we have a, a very bold ambition to cover a million school meals by 2025. And we are on track to do that. It's pretty exciting. During the pandemic, we <laughs> very quickly put together an e-commerce offer uh, within about six days. Um, we used to sell coffee online to uh, you know to people in their homes and their kitchens that wanted to drink lovely Paddy and Scott's coffee at home, and we would sell probably about a hundred quid a month of coffee, um, all, all to people that were sort of neighbouring uh, us in Suffolk. And then um, pandemic struck, we had lots of coffee. <laughs> we didn't really have many people wanting to buy or able to buy it in our own coffee shops or in our, our partners um, you know, businesses. So we built uh, an e-commerce platform in in six days, and uh, we've now managed to, to build that into a you know a business in its own right that is um, generating hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of coffee sales every year which is really exciting so what else do we do the farm in Kenya is the thing that you know certainly I am most proud of uh, yeah how did that come about yeah well, well credit to Scott our founder actually um, who I think like me uh, also not big on rules <laughs> or conforming right. so we um, you know about five years ago around the time when I, when I joined Paddy and Scott's, we were having conversations with our coffee farmer uh, partners around the world. And, um, you know, we were recognising that we were shelling out loads of money to to organisations that would accredit our coffee, Rainforest Alliance, Fairtrade, Oots, and those organisations that accredit our coffee and say it was produced to, you know, to ethical standards. And at the same time, we were having, you know, conversations with coffee farmers directly and we were getting feedback that, that from them that were saying, listen, we're struggling to put food on the table for our kids. It's tough, you know, all that money that goes to the, the big bodies, you know, how fairly is that being distributed and, and, and dispersed? And, 
you know, we, we tried to find that out. We tried to find the answer, you know, f- from these organizations. Uh, and sadly, we were kind of ejected from, uh, from, from their premises once, right. um, you know, we just said, look, just show us the audit trail, guys. Show us where the money goes. When we, you know, give you hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to accredit our coffee and say it's produced ethically, tell us where that money goes. Um, it's not an unreasonable request. <laughs> not unreasonable request, but, you know, maybe the way in which we asked it <laughs> wasn't particularly, you know, conformist again. Okay. Um, so anyway, we were removed from their offices, told not to come back. And, um, you know, with fire in our bellies, we jumped on uh, on a plane, ended up in Kenya. And um, we had several conversations with, with you know, people in the coffee community out in Kenya. And we just said, look, we think there's a better way of doing it. What do you think? At the moment, the coffee supply chain is full of people all taking their penny. You've got exporters, you know, shipping agents, brokers, hedge fund managers, all these guys all taking their piece of the pie. Mm. And we just feel like it's unfair on you know the guy or gal that does all the work at the heart the heart of the coffee industry at the start of the coffee beans journey and harvest the coffee so our you know our approach is to try and share some of the retail margin with the farmer and take out those people in the middle so when we were in kenya we um you know we're sort of marched around um you know some of it was was we were welcomed (laughs) some of it was okay who the hell are you and why are you here and look at the size of the machete that i've got (laughs) on my person yeah Um, jeez but invariably, you know, we came across uh, an incredible guy called George Machunda, who's a sixth generation coffee farmer in a place called Meru, which is um, about 300 kilometers north of Nairobi, just in the shade of Mount Kenya. And, and, and George, you know, he was sort of the village elder, if you like, showed us around his, his amazing coffee farm. It was a little bit um, tatty, a little bit unloved, didn't have the infrastructure didn't have the finesse <laughs> to generate, you know, a really good harvest. But what George did have was just so much fuel and passion. So with his eyes, he was just, you know, the most charming but energetic, you know, 70 plus year old guy you'd ever meet. So yeah. um, we, you know, we, we, we fell in love with George and we said, let's do something, you know, for the next 10, 20, 30 years. Let's let's work together. You know, whether you have a good harvest, a bad harvest, doesn't matter. We'll, we'll take all, all your coffee. We're not going to buy a coffee farm because we're not you know we're not we're not capitalists that are, you know moving into progressive countries trying to buy up land but what we will do is you know shake hands and we'll do something for the long term and if you can give us the best coffee in the world we'll give you infrastructure we'll invest in you and your family and your community and make sure that um you know the hundreds of people that are leaving the coffee industry to go into farm avocados or pineapple whatever it may be come back because um we believe you know in this industry uh, and we believe you can create some really strong change. So that was the agreement we had. Um, whilst we were in Kenya uh, with George, we um, were going to kind of celebrate this deal, you know, high fives, back slapping, all that sort of stuff. We were about to go to the local pub, you know, celebrate it as all deals should be celebrated with a, a you know, a glass of beer. Yeah. And we were on the back of George's Jeep driving along in Meru. And there was this little girl on the, uh, on the street next to uh, next to the road walking along with these two jerry cans of water and this little girl was probably you know similar age to my son six and uh, carrying these really heavy jerry cans of water struggling to do so uh, in her slightly kind of um, you know tatty school uniform so we stopped the jeep and we asked um, the young lady to come and talk to us uh, you know we're all family people so it just didn't look right so um, the young lady came over and uh, and said she was 
uh, from the the Ruga Primary School, which is just near the farm. She was doing the six kilometre round trip uh, that one lucky pupil was chosen to do each day to go and fetch water uh, for the school. And um, instantly we kind of we kind of just went, what the heck is this? You know, yeah. this young lady probably weighed 20 kilograms. She was probably carrying 40 uh, kilograms or Jeez, whatever they yeah. of water. Not good. So anyway, um, Abua, as the girl's name was, jumped on the back of our Jeep. And obviously it's not a great look to pick up, you know, young young girls in you know in um, emerging countries but you know what we, if we can give you a lift and we can help you we will so yeah we did um we were taken to the school um the ruga primary school we on the back of this jeep we kind of jumped off i think it was break time at the time so then you had like 526 kids all flock around us wanting to know who the hell we were what we were doing and um the head teacher you know who was lovely gave us a tour of the school and showed us around and then we just had like this sliding doors moment that was kind of like, okay, well, all that money that we used to spend with the coffee accreditation bodies uh, to stamp our coffee and say it's produced ethically, we don't need that anymore because we've got George and George is going to give us the best coffee in the world and we're going to help him deliver that. And we're going to have this money left over. And what can we do with that? And wouldn't it be great if we could, you know, also invest in the local school and the community because let's face it, coffee farmers that work in George's farm have kids and those kids need to go to school. And, yep. and it was just an unbelievable, uh, you know, moment of clarity where you go, we've got something here. We can do this. You know, we can really we can really make some difference. And, you know, it was the bravest, boldest, most brilliant decision we've ever made as a business. And again, massive plaudits to Scott, our founder, who, uh, you know, is, is, is the brains behind this. And um, it's, the, it's the best thing I've been involved with, you know, hands down. What I've learned in the intervening kind of, you know, five or six years is that it, ta- it, it takes an awful lot of money to create change in countries that, that are open to change. And, you know, our model is that we, you know, what we try and do is create this sense of ambition, a sense of entrepreneurship. We don't do people don't want and we don't give handouts um what people like certainly in, in maru and the ruga school is opportunity and, and that's something we can help with so it yeah it, it, it's an incredible model what we've done since then is built a, a model a model coffee farm in the school so the kids can learn how to engage with coffee and hopefully when they leave they will have the opportunity to pursue careers in in the coffee industry should they want to we also i think this year have got our first pupil from the school that's going to be starting university which is something we're incredibly proud of and yeah it's you know that's how i want to do business we know it takes money to create change so we i will say you know don't judge us on a profit judge us what we do with it we think Very good i like that you can you can create a business that does good things and leaves legacy and still offers great service and still make sure all of its partners and its stakeholders get what they need out of the relationship so yeah pandemic struck um had it not been for that we would have we would have you know picked up that Machumba farm model and done it in other places around the world. And I think we're, we're due to go and explore that in uh, Uganda and Tanzania in um, in early part of 2023. So that is, that is our plan. So yeah, that's definitely the biggest part of Paddy and Scott's notwithstanding. We also have the most amazing team, the most amazing people, and we try and do as much cool stuff as we can because we are this tiny little company massively pitches above its weight. We, um, we like being a little bit destructive, dynamic whatever you yeah. want to say so our voice is disruptive is, yeah i hate that word really but we yeah it's 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 
it is what it is. We 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 like to have fun uh, on a daily basis, and frankly, if we don't agree with something, we'll call it out. You know, hence Black Friday that just passed. We um, I was going to ask you about that. That's a nice handy segue. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, we just decided that we didn't like what Black Friday stood for. We didn't like the idea that. I mean, I'll, I'll contextualize this by saying that, you know, I hate the words consumerism or consumer. I hate it. I hate the idea that people go to Primark and buy three pound t-shirts and wear them twice and then throw them in the bin. Like that's mm. just not a sustainable approach to life. Yeah. Consumerism is what it's defined as people consuming stuff. And I don't think Black Friday, people need everything they buy and people tend to get drawn into these 50% off, whatever it is, crazy deals. There's loads of what they call FOMO chucked around. You know, oh, if you don't do it now, you're going to miss out. And people end up with these yeah, purchases that just don't need. So we thought rather than being part of that, and we have done it in the past, don't get me wrong, you know, we're a, you know, a fairly progressive company and we try anything. We have tried Black Friday oh, yeah. before. We've slashed the prices. <laughs> um, but this year we thought, nah, you know, it's just, it's not what we want to be part of. It doesn't connect with our moral compass. So we closed. So, um, you know, this 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 uh, business, the e-com, e- e-commerce business that we built, we just pulled the shutters down and said, listen, if you want to buy coffee from us, you're not going to be able to do it online for the duration of Black Friday weekend, Cyber Monday, because we're closed. But not only are we closed, what we're also going to do is send our team out into the community. So the guys that we would normally pay to ship your coffee and pack your boxes and, you know, whatever else, we're going to make sure those people are able to use their time more progressively in the community so they can go and help charities and we asked the guys and girls that work for us who do they want to work with and people went and did it and we coined this phrase again we love in phrases and, and puns we coined this phrase that uh, good deeds is better than good deals so that was our that was our take on them um, well. and, and someone said to me like oh what a great campaign and i was just like it's not a campaign not a campaign yeah it's just doing what we believe in so you know call it whatever you want but you know, i'm really proud of it and you know most organizations would panic that you can't sell stuff. You can't make any money. Yeah. Well, we're about more than that. So we can do what we want. And, um, you know, <laughs> it really wasn't a campaign. You certainly didn't read about it in the times or anything like that because it wasn't a campaign yeah. and we didn't PR it. You know, we just did it because we're proud of it. Yeah. But what, you know, it comes back to your purpose and your reason for being right. It just fits nicely because actually equally, if you're, if you're kind of diluting the price of what you're doing, that has a knock on effect down the chain ultimately in any case i mean not specifically your business but generally speaking yeah. um if you're if you're if you're slashing your prices then you know there's a knock-on effect to that yeah so you know all you've done is just stick to your guns just stick to what's got you there in the first place yeah so yeah no i hats off to you I, that was actually I, I remember commenting on that post that you put up uh, about that and i thought yeah good on you because you're you're really kind of just you're living and breathing your ethos. You're not just paying lip service to it, and that's uh, as you another one of your wonderful puns slash cliches <laughs> is that you know do, doing good is good for business. Yeah, you know, and I I completely agree with that. Is that more people will want to engage with you if you're just doing good stuff? Granted, and you've got a good product. You know, that's also probably quite important. Um, it is, yeah. You know, pe- people will, will probably trade with us maybe for the first time because they like you know, the cut of our jib. But then if they want to come back and buy some more coffee, then um, invariably it's going to have to be because, of, you know, it tastes fantastic. And, um, you know, that is the case too. So, yeah, it's um, it's important to us. You know, we, we, we equally, we don't have this big marketing team. We, you know, we really don't. Um, right. Because... 
it's just not how we're built. You know, we are just naturally good folk doing good stuff and we don't overthink it. So if, you know, if we can, if we can, um, you know, do what we do and people like it, they'll, they'll find us. And if, <laughs> if they don't, then fair enough. Yeah. 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 Uh, totally. No, uh, hats off to you. So uh, 2023, you're, you're investigating new farms um, mm. as well. What, what else do you have in store? Uh, well, there's some stuff that, you know, kind of under wraps, but um, we're looking to, to, to build a, a new roastery in, um, in, in 2023, back end of 23 or 24. Um, so that will be really exciting from a, an ESG point of view. There'll be lots of really strong sustainability ethos around that. And it will give us the ability to really transform, you know, what we're doing. I'm not going to say too much about it because we, <laughs> we're, working on a plan. we're working, working on a plan that we think is going to be a bit of a game changer. So, um, you know, if I told you, I'd have to... Um, I'd have to, I don't know, <laughs> bring you into the fold and give you a cut or something. <laughs> okay. No, well, tell me then. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yes. So there's that. And, um, and then, you know, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. I think we are really, really selective about who we work with and we say no to many more kind of relationships, supply relationships than, than we say yes to. Uh, I think that's a really important part of, of, of any relationship and any brand. And, um, you know, we don't work in the supermarkets we don't think we're going to work in the supermarkets but who knows we may do we may do um the challenge of course is you know coming back to that thing what we're here to do and you know we are here ultimately to 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 make sure the beneficiaries of our coffee you know people that are involved and the communities in which we trade so does working with supermarkets connect with with those guys don't know we'll have Mm. to see Um, yeah but certainly you know the, the, the the focus continues on the Trying to fund a million school meals by 2025. I shouldn't use the word try. On funding uh, a million school meals by 2025. And equally, we're, we're trying to sort of chuck up in the air now what, what bedroom coffee looks like in in, uh, in nice hotels. We think the, uh, the, the that that arena is ripe for change and there's definitely an opportunity to do things better. So um, that's very much on our plan for next year, as well as, you know, just, um, I guess, opening some new coffee stores and, and making sure something we're, we're going to do, actually. And again, this is a not a secret, but something what we're keen to do is is re redesign and question what a traditional coffee shop is is here to do and what it stands for so we're looking at that concept at the moment and one of the things that really interests me is creating a space in the evening that celebrates low and no alcohol right gives people a, a really interesting place to go and have a lovely evening out in a really nice environment with great music great ambience that isn't exclusively about alcohol so yeah. Um, that's something we're working on. We've got some really good partnerships with some really cool uh, low and no alcohol brands that are going to help us with that. And um, coined the phrase, again, we love phrases, coined the phrase rather than a speak easily, we're going to call it a speak easily, which we think could be quite fun. Ah, very good. Yeah, that's wicked. I mean, I I, I watch you guys with, uh, with wide eyes. I have also had your coffee and it's lovely. I don't, I'm not sure if I've had your Kenyan coffee so I'll definitely be placing an order <laughs> but uh yeah I just love what you stand for and I think your your the message that you've got is out there for sure I think people understand who you are and what you what you stand for and that's why I was super keen to get you on uh notwithstanding as well the fact that you've got quite an interesting journey in the sense that as I couldn't correlate how you started what you're doing into what you're doing now that's kind of the joy of putting together a career for me is is you know is it, it, you you can set off on one path and other things present themselves uh, easily and that's i think what hospitality does wonderfully well there's so many facets to it and so many angles and 
everything's interlinked. And actually what you just said there about looking at the coffee offer within hotel bedrooms, that's going to be music to my wife's ears because she's sick mm-hmm. to the back teeth and the espresso machines everywhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I, I, I congratulate you on what you're doing and um, we'll keep watching what, what you get up to with, um, with great, great interest. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, been been lovely. We haven't met before, right? So it's been lovely no. to meet you as well. Indeed, <laughs> so, yeah. Indeed, yeah. Final question before I let you go. What would be your top three reasons why somebody should come and work within the hospitality space? Uh, because I just think you get exposed to so much so early. So, um, you know, I said when I was 21, being given the keys to a million pound business, um, you're able to make lots of mistakes, fail fast and, um, you know, enjoy it you also just get to touch so many different facets of of the business so you know in one breath you're talking about the PL, the sales whatever it may be another you know the tap's broken you ought to go and fix it and then someone else yeah. doesn't turn up it's just the, the breadth of things you get to to play with is really strong number two i think if you are at all entrepreneurial it's a really good test bed to go and learn if you can do entrepreneurship in someone else's business and yeah if you can do if you can do your own then you'll know uh, and then finally, I think, oh, I just think people, right? It's lovely to spend time with really good people. I will say it's, uh, life is too short to work with assholes. Um, yeah, so, yeah. You know, in our industry, you've got to be interested in people. You've got to love it. You've got to be obsessed by people. And uh, if you're that way inclined, come and join hospitality because um, the energy you will experience you know, in, in the midst of service, you know, busy hospitality venue in a peak evening or day is unrivaled. And actually it's, uh, <laughs> it's just like something you would never experience elsewhere, I think. Yeah. And that's actually uh, in amongst all of the wonderful sayings you've said today, that last one there around life's too short to work with arseholes. Uh, that's, that's the one for me right there. Okay. It's going on a t-shirt. I'm going to get that into the printing <laughs> press tomorrow. And um, yeah, that's, uh, no, that's wicked. Um, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about Paddy and Scott's or just to, to follow you guys, what's the best method for them to, to reach out to you? Uh, well, we're, we're at paddyandscotts.shop. Um, that's our sort of uh, web, web website, if you like. Um, we've got loads of great stuff on uh, YouTube as well. So if anyone that likes watching a video over their uh, morning cereal, come and find us on YouTube. And, and you might find me on LinkedIn spouting rubbish about stuff. Black Friday. Yeah. Black Friday, yeah. 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 Having a moan and a rant about things that uh, seemingly aren't that important, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. It's been uh, it's been great to chat. Finally, we got there. And um, I, uh, yeah, wish you all the best into to the festive period and beyond. Thank you. No worries. Cheers. And there we have it. A wonderful story so far from Jonathan, and there's no doubt that Paddy and Scott are mixing things up in the business world. Exciting times ahead for them and Jonathan, for sure. A huge thank you to him for sharing his story. I'll be back again next week with more stories from hospitality, but until then, thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week.